Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. To read you from Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. I'm going to read from the ESV, um, but follow me in the version you have if it's different. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hands on them. They begged him, lay your hands on him. Jesus, put your hands on this man. At the end of this message, there's gonna be a chance for the laying on of hands. When the laying out of hands happen, there's an impartation, not only of the authority given to us through Jesus Christ, but the power to see what he calls us to do released. Okay, it's released in us. Lay your hands on him, they said. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephata, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Please, they don't record his words. Wouldn't you like to see that? If Mark had just captured, what did he say? What were his first words? And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Father God, we are so grateful for your wonderful word. I thank you for those days of sitting in your presence in the morning, considering you, Jesus, and all you have done, all you continue to do. Knowing, Lord, that you truly do all things well. And so this morning as we gather to your word now, Lord, I pray that you would lead me, help me, Lord, in the little bit of a foggy mind with the jet lag. I pray give me clarity and strength this morning. Guide every word, Lord, that it would build us up and strengthen us, would draw us close to you, that you would be lifted up, you would be released that, Lord, all eyes would be on you and your purposes. That, Lord, as we go across this city and this nation and into the nations, Lord, we would truly be witnesses and have testimony of the most loving, wonderful King. I bless you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope that um, as many of you as possible got to one or more of the sessions of the Hub in November. I enjoyed it very much being here and being back in Dubai. I always love coming back here. I often say to people, if God had said to me, you can stay in Dubai for the rest of your life, I would have been a very happy person and, uh, because I so loved being here and loved coming back. And the hub was a very special time because once again, it gave us a chance in one room to see the breadth of what God's called us to do together and I think we had over 180 guests from across the nations besides the wonderful diversity here. And um, I must admit that there were moments that I felt personally really overwhelmed. Standing before, remembering 
our roots, remembering my roots, remembering where we came from, where that first moment of saying Jesus has fizzy encouraged us this morning. I want to give you my all. I don't understand this, but this gospel has set me free. This gospel has changed me. My guilt and shame that dogged me every morning, every night has gone. I'm free. I'm yours. I want to give you everything. And if it means going to the ends of the earth, here I am, send me. And God took me very, very seriously. And our first plant, as you know, was into a rural area of Southern Africa. We didn't meet in such a lovely building as this. We met in a big, rusty old shed on our farm in South Africa. And hundreds of people came. And poverty had us in grips there more than in most places across our nation and even in the world. And we lived in very simple conditions. We believed God for big things. And I can remember preaching a message to that early congregation and saying to them, God's going to raise us up for the ends of the earth. Even though our conditions, we were sitting on hay bales, even our conditions were so difficult, we are going to the ends of the earth because that's the purpose of Jesus Christ. That's why he was able to say to Peter when the crowds gathered and fame was coming, there was an opportunity of great things for him. He was saying, no, we've got to leave here and move on. I must go to the next village, the next town. That's why I was sent. And so I told the church, we'll do that. I can remember everyone looking back and thinking, really? Really? I can remember saying to them, your language, Sesutu, will be heard in the far corners of the earth. Because God had told me, I was carrying it. He had said, when you plant this church, this is what it'll be. It'll be a church I will raise up for the ends of the earth. And I said to the people, your language will be heard to the far ends of the earth. And so at the hub this year, overwhelmed by the bigness of things, we're coming to a close on the Saturday night and Craig stands up and he starts singing and then suddenly those words, O Pahame, O Pahame, be lifted up, be lifted up. As we bow down, be lifted up. Suddenly God said to me, (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm hearing my home language, the language of my people from my hometown. And God said to me, didn't I say to you that this language would be heard in the ends of the earth and everyone was gathered? I was overwhelmed. I was standing next to a young Basuta couple, Kapano and Nkoti, who were standing in front of me. I put my hands on them because they were from our village, our town. I said, God, You are so true to your word. What you promise happens. What you said happens. As we gather here this morning, equally so, you as a church have massive problems. You as an individual, problems, did I say problems? Morning. I've come to sort out your problems. (laughs) Sorry about that. I don't know who's going to edit this message. Okay, let's start again. You have big promises. Hallelujah. Yes, we believe that one. eh? And a few problems, but we'll come to the problems. 
And we carry these things, and because of our context and the life that we live in, going to work on a Sunday morning and all the things, there's financial, there's positions, there's promotion or no promotion, there's all these things all the time, sometimes we feel ah, overwhelmed by the enormity of what God promises. We look at it and think, wow, we, we're carrying so much, how can this ever, ever come to fruition. You're a church that God's putting has put his hand on. You can sense it coming here. You're well organized. You you've got purpose. There is leadership here that are taking you somewhere. You're not just existing Friday to Friday. You can feel it. And if you were at the prayer meeting this morning, you knew it for sure by the prayers, because our prayers give us away all the time. You're looking for further growth and looking to plant. You have a growing number of people wanting to look into you as a church. That's why JW's here as well, not only to travel with me, but quite some time ago as I went to visit Utrecht, this beautiful little town, city, city, town, city, it's a city, oh, 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 oh. This beautiful city, and I can remember sitting there, and there's this, um, the, I was staying in this small um, hotel, and across the square was this, this uh, massive bronze statue of this man, and I looked across it, and I thought, he looks like a monk, or someone like that, and true enough, in the city, center of the city, is the statue to the man who brought the gospel to that area, and I thought, God, do it again, do it again. One of the most unevangelized areas of the world now, Europe. And I said to JW as I went to the church, I think you need to go and investigate Fuzzy Mukwena and City Hill. I said, I think they can help you. And brothers and sisters, you're going to see lots of change as you go forward because God has put someone in your midst here who has an unusual and a unique gift. Paul of the scriptures, the writer of the scriptures modeled that beautiful master builder gift, the apostolic gift, the apostle, the sent one, the builder, the layer of foundations, the builder of the body of Christ. And as we've watched and stood by Fuzzy, we've seen that gift growing, which means that God's gonna keep adding people to you, wonderful other gifts that he'll keep adding, but it's going to draw you further and further as it did with myself and Heather. Because when we follow the purposes of God, he expands us because that's his purpose. And he says, follow me. He doesn't call us to exist and say, please hold ground and don't lose ground until I come back and fetch you. No, we call to something much more exciting. That's your starting point. Now I'll empower you. I'll give you vision. I'll give you gifts. As I rose from the dead, I gave the church gifts, people gifts. Now go and make me known. And it's fabulous to see. And I'm so grateful for what God's doing. But the question that arises, because it arises in me so often, is, Lord, how do we, how do we hold this all together? 
How do we keep life in the balance, marriage, bringing up children, education, running a business, working for a boss, whatever your life is? Then we've got church and we say, Lord, we want that to really excel and grow. And then no sooner have you got local church that God says, right, I'm gonna add into the mix the ends of the earth. And so you live with all these tensions. You think, how do you do it? And I came to the end of the year, the hub, all these things, thinking quieter here. And then I look at my diary and I go, ah, really? All that? All these things still to come? And I thought, oh, I've got energy for this year. Don't know if I'm ready to head into a new season until I spend time with Jesus. Because what I found in Jesus is the pastor of all pastors, the shepherd of all shepherds, the great and almighty king. And the answer to this, I believe, is to be found in Jesus himself. And that's the message I want to bring you this morning. And I haven't a clue how much time I've got, Fuzzy. What time do you finish? Lord, keep the sun still. Okay, I'll go as quickly as I can. Jesus knew his big calling. He came to introduce the kingdom of God, a whole new way of life. And the invitation was through his death on the cross and the dealing with sin and shame. And if you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, may I encourage you, it's the place to be. The place is called freedom. And we come in and our sins are dealt with and we're drawn into this new kingdom and we live there and that's what Jesus came to bring. For months he, he taught and he, he introduced this wonderful, wonderful kingdom. He raised the dead, he empowered the saints, he taught them and then finally he paid that massive price on the cross. And when you just gaze on the cross and you think, oh, this is just Unbelievable. But Jesus' mission wasn't one of just glory. It was one of pain, of shame, of all the things that he took on himself in our place. All your guilt, all your wrongdoing, all the things you've ever carried, you've done wrong. He says, come, bring them to me and I'll exchange this for you, a freedom and a love in me as you believe and put your faith in me. And he took ordinary people and he promised them the ends of the earth. Not only does he call us to great things, brothers and sisters, but he pastors us through them as well. And out of this story, I want to show you how he does that. I want to just for a moment draw back the curtains and for us just to gaze on the beauty of Jesus. Because the Bible says, as we read, he does everything well. Isn't that lovely? I wish that could be said about me. You know, he does everything well. I mean, it's just an extraordinary statement. Just so wonderful. And for some eight months, Jesus has been in the Gentile areas up on near the, the coast on the Mediterranean, Tyre and Sidon. And then he returns back to his home area of Galilee where he had based himself. And as he returns there, they bring him this man. We don't know if it's a young man or an old man. He brings, they bring him this man and say, Jesus, we're so glad you're back and we brought you this man. He can't hear what we're saying. He can't speak to you. So we've come. We've come 
on his behalf with him. And there are three things that I want to bring out of this passage very quickly this morning that I hope will strengthen us and fortify us for this year. And the first one is this. Jesus knows what we need. When we follow him, when we encounter him, he knows what we need. He knows what you need. He knows what you need for this day, this week, this year going forward. He knows where you are. He knows what's happening inside, the fears, the joys, all those things. He knows what you need. It's interesting that when you follow the journey of Jesus through Scripture, you see how he doesn't have a heavenly franchise. It doesn't one size fits all. Okay, this is my menu. These are the things I can do. You know, choose one of those. We'll pack it up and you can take it away. He doesn't do that at all. Everyone he encounters, everyone, he meets them just where they are. Consider Mary and Martha. Brother Lazarus has died. They send for Jesus and finally he comes. And he knows what they need. Martha says, if only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What does Jesus do? He rebukes her. That's what she needed. To align her thoughts with his. He's a rebuker. He walks a bit further on. He meets Mary, Jesus. If only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What does Jesus do? He weeps. <laughs> Just so different. And you think, hang on a second, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? No. He knows what we need. And that's the wonderful thing of walking with him, brothers and sisters. He knows what you need for this time. If you're feeling broken inside, he knows what's needed. Maybe it's a bit of a firm hand. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. All things work for the good of those. All things. Get up. Get going. Okay? Whatever you need. They're all in there. He knows what this man needs too. And it's important to note that, as I said, he doesn't follow just some method. He is the wonderful counselor who knows how to respond to each and every situation. He knows what City Hill needs. He understands the dynamics of your context. He understands the pain of losing facilities and gaining them, of having to move, having to adjust. And you think, oh, here we go again. And you think, we were just getting some momentum. Jesus knows. Doesn't leave us or desert us. So that's the first thing he does. He knows what this man needs. And please don't miss the fact that these friends, these family, bring him to Jesus. Lots of people can be so afraid of sharing their faith. So afraid of having the right words, saying the right things. The answer to that is bring them to Jesus. That's what they do. Please help. We don't know what to do. This guy is deaf. He does have, he's got no speech, a speech impediment. There he is. Jesus, Jesus knows what he needs. But secondly, 
I want you to see that not only does he know what we need, he meets us where we are. He meets us where we are. We see how he identifies with this poor man in Mark's account. His situation is dire. I live in a nation now where there is a social safety net for each and every person. Unfortunately, that net is faltering at the moment. And so there's lots of pressures in the UK at present because of the social care. But there's a safety net for anybody. So if you suffer from this, there'll be someone who can help you. If you've got that problem, someone can help you. In this time, there was nothing. Absolutely nothing. Not even a Christian conscience that has released people to provide some form of care. Because if you look across the world and you look at the roots of social care, you will find that it's rooted in the gospel. That's where it comes from. The gospel went into all nations. It shaped policy. It shaped governments. And it provided a conscience to care for our fellow man. But in this man's time, there's nothing but an intolerant society. He was most probably ridiculed. He was laughed at, called stupid. I don't know. But he was just, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> then he can't count. You know, throw him a coin or two. That would have been his place. But how does Jesus respond? I don't know if you heard those words in the story, but it says they brought him and they said, would you lay your hands on him? And it says in verse 33, and taking him aside. Isn't that wonderful? He knows what we need. And when we come to him in brokenness, when we come to him with all these various things, he takes this man aside. He's not going to make a spectacle out of him. He shows true compassion and he enters this man's world just as he will do for you and for me. In moments of being overwhelmed, thinking, Lord, how do we do this? If we add another 34 communities to regions beyond family, that means we're going to grow by some 30 to 40 percent. I don't know the exact number. We're not coping at the moment. Come aside with me. Listen carefully. It's not about you, it's about me. Ah, okay. And you feel, oh, thank you. Yes, Lord. But he takes this man aside, he fully engages with him. He's not going to make him more of a sight among the people. And that's what Jesus does for you. The problem with most of us as believers is that we don't make those times to engage with Jesus. And that's the importance of making sure like this man, you come into his presence. This man was brought, we've been brought here today by our leadership, by people, by friends. But there is the importance of us finding that space and saying, Jesus, just for these few minutes, these moments, I want to be with you. And he takes us aside and suddenly you feel, oh, 
you're here with me. You're here with me right now. You may be feeling frustrated or let down by circumstances. May I just say, he will meet you where you are. He will take you aside. Thirdly, I want us to see how he owns our situation. He owns our situation. So he takes this man aside. Some of his disciples go with him because everything Jesus did, he modeled for others. He helped others learn because they'd come with me, come quickly, don't make a big fuss. We want to serve this man, but come and stand with me. So Jesus takes his disciples aside and getting alone with Jesus at times can be a little bit daunting. I don't know if you find that. Because you see, when we do get before Jesus and we do open up our heart and we do allow him, and we just say, God, come and meet me this morning. It's an opportunity for him not only to be a blessing and to strengthen us, but also to rebuke, also to correct. And I've found times where I think, oh, Lord, I know things, I'm dropping things, I'm frustrated, pressures, and I get with Jesus, and I know what he's going to say. And I think, oh, I don't even know I want to hear it. But we've got to go in there and say, Jesus. So he takes this man aside. Because if we've got good theology, we know that Jesus' ability to bless us is far greater than the enemy's ability to deceive us. Do you understand? That's why whenever there's an opportunity to be prayed for or to receive. So this morning was great in your prayer meeting. Can we pray for Utrecht? Can we pray for Trinity Church in London? That's the one we've got a birth in September this year. And the response has to be yes. Why? Because hands are going to be laid. Something's going to be imparted. We cannot fulfill the purposes of God unless we receive his empowering. All too often, we try and do it on our own. But we need an understanding of Jesus' ability to bless us, being far greater, far outweighing the enemy's ability to lead us astray. Now let's see how Jesus owns this man's situation. I'll just read it again. And so taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers in his ears. And after spitting he touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetah, be opened. And his ears were open, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. So the first thing we see as he takes him aside, we hear this, the ESV says, sire. When I read it and I was reading this more, I wondered if there was a, enough of an emphasis on that because I think maybe we've lost the, the meaning of, of the word sigh a little bit. You know, ours can be, oh, okay, you know, just putting up with something. Whereas some of the other translations say he moaned. There was a deep moan inside. There was a deep anguish inside. In other words, he's encountering once again this broken, broken world. He's seeing the result of what happened so many years before with the fall of man when sin came. 
And man lost that connection with God that they had. He knew even as he met with this man that he was going to be the answer in order to bring life again, to bring man back into that relationship with, with God. And so from deep within inside comes this moan, this deep sigh, this expression of pain. If we are going to change the world, we are going to have to understand and feel the world's pain, not just our own. You want to think about that a little bit? Everything in this world is me-focused. Everything, everything that happens, all the marketing, this stuff is to make you feel better, to ease your pain, to make your life easier. Jesus was different. He stepped into situations where he felt the pain of the world. In my nation of South Africa, I know we suffer from poverty fatigue. We all believed with our dear late President Nelson Mandela, that things had changed, that things would get better and easier. But poverty's continued. And so eventually, you, you just become blind to it. Too big a problem, not Jesus. And hopefully, not his church. Are we willing to engage with it? We switch on the news and say, oh no, they're talking about the... Rohingya people in Burma again. Oh, let me see. I'll see if something lighter is on. Don't want to go there. We have got to go there because that's where Jesus goes. Do you understand? He moaned. He feels this man's isolation, his loss, his pain. Jesus is moved by his condition. And then... What does he do? It says he places his fingers in his ears. Now, I've seen people do healing before, and they read all these things. They say, okay, if somebody is deaf, this is what you do. If someone is lame, this is what you do. If someone has got an evil spirit, this is how you speak. You change to American accent and very loud. <laughs> this is not what Jesus is doing, brothers and sisters. This man doesn't understand what's about to happen. So when I read this, I just saw such tenderness of Jesus. Takes him aside. Oh, I feel your pain. And the next thing is, puts his fingers. In other words, I'm going to speak to your ears now. I'm going to speak to your ears. Do you understand? Are you with me? And then he says to him, and also, I'm going to deal with your tongue. I'm not going to get gross and spit across the stage to make another emphasis, but you know what I could do. He wasn't spitting and saying, you know, down with the devil, you know, and then bang, you know, that's a new technique. That's not the Jesus. Takes him aside, the pain of his situation, fingers in his ears, touches his mouth. I want to heal your tongue. And then what does he say? Be open. All authority is given to me. All authority. 
bang. That's how he meets with us. That's how he meets with us. You know, I, I haven't got time, sadly, but Mark, the Gospels are so beautiful um, because right through the Gospels are, are little, little keys. And remember that Mark is wrote, writing this Gospel, I do believe, almost secondhand. So he's picking up this, this story. And so now more when it's written, more understanding of who Jesus is and was and will be is, is clearer. And so he makes this little statement. He uses a, a, a word in there, magalilos, I think it is, is the word that's used. It's only used one time in Scripture. Because by this time, they've read it. They've now understood. And it goes back to Isaiah 35, where the same word is used. And Mark and the, the believers have now made this connection between what Jesus was doing and what was prophesied 740 years before Jesus. And Isaiah one day is writing, prophesying, and he says, Behold, your God will come with vengeance and recompense, and he will come and save it will come and save. So yeah, Isaiah is speaking. He's gonna come and save. How's he gonna save? Well, when he comes to save, he carries on in verse five of uh, Isaiah 35. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. Can you see the link? So suddenly Mark is saying, this happened because it was spoken. The same Jesus. And why do they do that? Because that means everything else that's been said about what's to come is true. Our faith grows. And, the, and shall the lame men leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing with joy. I said to you earlier, wouldn't it be nice if we just had this guy's first few words? Maybe they were just songs of joy. Mark's made the connection. You've got a big task ahead of you. You're a wonderful, diverse group of people. Yes, you've got some problems, as I prophesied earlier. <laughs> but you also have promises in God. And as you carry the problems, real life, and as you live with your promises, as I do as well, in all of that, you've got this shepherd of all shepherds meeting with you if you will allow him to pastor you and lead you and guide you. And we need to bring one another to him. There's so much more that I could say, but remember these few things. His look, where was his look? It said he lifted his eyes because he knew that's where this man's healing came from. Remember his look, remember his sigh. Be willing to take on the pain of the world, particularly for those of you in leadership. I'm going to talk about pastoring later. I do believe. We've got to enter one another's world. It can be tough. Think, can't you deal with your own problems? Okay, I'll listen to you if you will listen to me. Not Jesus. That sigh, his touch. And his word, his look, his sigh, his touch, and his word. 
He will take you through all of this. And all of those on the outside are going to be cheering you on, watching what's happening, seeing things develop in the nations far off like China and Malaysia, all these places that will open to us. I was reminded again this morning, and thank you, I'm not sure where, I think it's um, Anne, wherever you are here this morning, um, just reminded about just the call to the east, and I think there is definitely on you as a church a real calling there. But brothers and sisters, he'll shepherd us through it. He'll walk with us, he'll carry us, and at times where we feel silenced or we feel we're just not hearing God, Listen for those words, draw near to him and listen and you hear, be open and suddenly you see again afresh and you believe again, but he'll meet you where you are. I'd love to say a lot more to you. Would you stand please? You just put your hands out in front of you and maybe the band could come if that's what you would like or unless you have to finish quickly I'm not sure just put your hands out in front of you Jesus knows what you need he knows the life that you hold out before him He knows that life, all you're going through, the breakthroughs you need, the help you need, the discouragement you feel, whatever it is. He knows the joys you feel. He knows the challenges that come. And now, if you let him, he enters your world. Feel his hand on you saying, come with me. (laughs) Come away from the crowd just for a moment. Leave the crowd behind. Leave the person on your right and your left behind just for a moment. I wonder if you do something for me. Put your hand on your, across your chest. Just place one hand across your chest. Just imagine for the moment there's the hand of Jesus upon you. Come away with me. Let me... Let me enter your world this morning. And now, let me put my fingers in your ears. Let me touch your tongue. Let me touch your heart. I feel, sorry, that's that's a word of knowledge for someone here. You've allowed... um, You've allowed your heart to get hard, even as you've listened this morning, you've been hardening your heart. I believe God wants to speak to you. So as your hands on your chest, God wants to touch your heart. And he wants to draw you in this morning. We can hear his beat in the background, and he can feel your heartbeat this morning. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray as you do that, you would raise us up and do everything well. I ask you to release this body into all you've called them to do. 
where there are enormous pressures, Lord, I pray that you would bring such a release this morning. I pray for miracles this morning, Lord. I pray for breakthrough this morning, not by might or power, but by you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that this community would be able to carry all you've entrusted to them and more and more. I pray your blessing, Lord, upon Fuzzy and the team and Joel and the others, Lord, that are gathered upon this wonderful worship team and all the young people's ministries, Lord, all the gifts you're adding together. Would you please bless them that this can truly become an apostolic sending, receiving, blessing base that you want every church to be. Give them much grace, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.